0: Well, it's a pleasure to welcome Joyce D. Young to MSU today for the first time. Joyce is an MSU alumna, and she's the brand new dean of msu's renowned college of osteopathic medicine so joyce welcome to back to your alma mater
1: thank you it is, it's it's really exciting to be back i love the energy on the campus this is uh it's really thrilling. a cool circle of
0: life i'm sure but it before is. we talk some more about yeah. that a little bit of your background before coming home and maybe some career
1: highlights yeah so uh i i'm a lifetime michigander i i, I spent some time in in atlanta but never changed my permanent residence so i feel like i've i've always been around i grew up on the west side of the state and uh, then came over to to michigan state for medical school i went to grand valley state university for my bachelor's degree my parents uh, did not attend college Uh, my mother graduated from high school and my father didn't so i was a first generation college uh, attender my sister and i both went So, you know, after high school, I got my bachelor's degree and uh, then applied and came to MSU-COM. And following that, I I did my internship at uh, what was then Metropolitan Hospital in Grand Rapids. And I also did my residency through Michigan State University, which was also in Grand Rapids through the hospitals there at the time. They were Butterworth, Blodgett, Saint Mary's, and Metropolitan—I uh, think most of them have different names now. And so, I—I uh, I did my fellowship in forensic pathology. So a little bit of an unusual path back to the deanship here. But uh, I, I was practicing in Lansing at Sparrow Hospital for a, the first good chunk of my career, and then was recruited to uh, to to develop a pathology department at western michigan university homer striker md school of medicine which we like to just call WMed because it's shorter <laughs> anyway <laughs> so um i was the founding chair of the pathology department there and it was uh, and is remains robust and, and successful so when this position opened up, actually, the recruiting firm reached out to me, there was a pretty rigorous process through the recruiting. And uh, in the end, here I am back home again.
0: Right. And did I read that before you got interested in medicine, though, you thought you might go into law as a young woman?
1: Yes, that was that was the original plan. So I, uh, I was on the high school debate team took Took the minimal amount of math and science, all right, because I wasn't you know, I wasn't gonna need that necessarily. Okay, uh, you too, huh, Russ? <laughs> <laughs> and and then I took a year off after. Actually, I started working at Metropolitan Hospital when I was still in high school, and the position was the lab secretary, and that was five to nine at night, and I could go and do that and uh, still make it to school. So I was um I was working in the hospital there. And, and then they needed uh, an autopsy assistant on the weekends, which is very different from the lab secretary. But I said, I could probably do that. I thought that was pretty interesting. And so I started as an autopsy assistant then when I was still in high school and carried on doing that part-time all the way through undergrad. So, but it was in that year, in between high school and i in that gap year where i started looking around thinking this medicine thing's pretty interesting i kind of like this <laughs> and um so i ended up doing that i still think sometimes that um i ended up in forensic pathology because we we do we deal a lot with the legal community and maybe i was going back to my roots there i don't know if that's really what happened yeah. but but uh, when i chose pathology as a profession i it was um I, it was really cuz i felt most comfortable in, in the laboratory and and in in the pathology department so yeah. uh, that's how i ended up there
0: and why was msu the place for you to come for medical school
1: well i'll tell you this was um i i wanted to be an osteopathic physician i wanted to be a do i was uh if you go back i was delivered by a do uh My family doctor it was a, the family doctor he delivered you know my siblings and me, and he would make house calls. He was our doctor and and we all you know when I went and had to you know had my tonsils out that kind of stuff we went to the osteopathic hospital everything and that was what i knew and and uh had a real appreciation for what that what they bring to to medicine and with the additional. Uh, really holistic approach and the and the OMM the osteopathic manipulative medicine that uh, it, that's the path I wanted. So fortunately, I was able to uh, attend Michigan State University uh, close to home, close to family. It's in state, and and uh, I, I will I'll confess this: I had a child three days before I started medical school. <laughs> Still managed to get out in four years. <laughs> but wow. Yeah, that was more, you know, I think uh, it was, it's a culture change. Uh, fortunately, I th- I'm hoping women don't do that anymore. I was just afraid I was going to lose my spot. And that's all I had wanted for the last four years was to get in. And then I thought, oh, no, they're going to give it away. They're going to think I don't care uh, about medicine and why am I having children. But uh, I think that that culture has shifted significantly yeah. since then.
0: Well, Dean DeYoung, this might be a good time to ask you, talk about the differences between a, a DO and an MD and the osteopathic versus human medicine, which MSU also has. Here.
1: Right, right. And, you know, I think that they, they bring, they both bring something. We, we, we clearly have uh, a significant shortage of physicians in general, okay? And, and when I look at the osteopathic profession, and one of the reasons I came back was because I'm going to digress here for a second. But one of the reasons I came back was as a forensic pathologist and a medical examiner, uh, people tend to look at what we do and they always think about the homicides and the high-profile cases, which, yes, that is a part of it. But really the biggest part is our public health, uh, the public health aspects and the information that we provide at, through our death investigations. And that really demonstrated for decades in my career how we have some major deficits in our health care system. And I'm not the first one to discover that. But, but also when this opportunity came up, I, I, uh, I wanted to be able to do something to address that and to address those deficits and to address the lack of uh, primary care doctors uh i think it's uh, you know if you've even i when i move into a community when i moved to kalamazoo trying to find a primary care doctor was was incredibly challenging that somebody that could see me you know sooner than eight months from now so that that is one of the the true reasons i came back um the the differences between the two traditionally have been that the the osteopathic physicians have a more holistic focus on the patient uh, a more uh, a focus on the entire structure function of the body uh they have um we we take additional training our training uh, mirrors very much that what uh that that what's taught in the allopathic schools the allopathic schools they they graduate MDs and we graduate DOs, but so so the 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 difference there uh, we using our OMM we can we can treat different things we can treat musculoskeletal disorders and and contribute to so many other conditions uh, and and increase mobility and and function for our patients so it's an additional set of tools it uh, it, it Although I was a forensic pathologist, I think one of the greatest things about osteopathic medicine is that for Michigan State, for example, if you look at our graduates uh, since the mid-80s, for example, the vast majority go into primary care, uh, meaning that would be a, a a family practitioner, a pediatrician, an internist, OB-GYN. Uh, so, so that's a... Um, so that's a big attraction for me because that, that does uh, we tend to draw people more interested in primary care, and I think it's also great for the state of Michigan that uh, when you look at all of the primary care doctors, if you include the specialties I mentioned, uh, about seventy five percent of them, uh, I, I shouldn't say seventy five percent seventy five percent of our graduates stay in Michigan, but but about um, half of the primary care doctors in the state uh, with those. Groups are are COM grads are and DOs so, so I think that that it, it it's a it's a great institution for being able to produce physicians to address these needs and we have the added PA program now which is also uh, one more one more tool to assist in caring for our patients.
0: So what made you want to be the dean of your yeah, alma mater now? Right. Like you said, you reached out. You probably weren't thinking about it, but. I really what wasn't. made you want to do the yeah. job? Yeah.
1: You know, I I thought about it somewhat when when the college was going through uh sort of the, their dark years if you will that that were uh, and and, uh, and it was hard it was heartbreaking to watch because it's an institution that I love it was heartbreaking not just I mean it's heartbreaking for for everything that happened there all right and for, and especially for the clearly especially for the victims. But but coming out of that I, I thought about it then but saw that the school had selected Dean Amalfatano and I think that was definitely the right choice. He has definitely stabilized this college and and I walk in to a very stable situation and a strong college with great people. So this time around when the opportunity came up, it wasn't a it wasn't something that I had not contemplated before. But I also wasn't uh, the individual who was going out looking to be the dean of some school. If I was going to be the dean, it was going to be here. And if I wasn't the dean here, I wasn't going to be a dean. So it was more, um, I think, a love of the university and a love of what the opportunity that this college provided for me and has provided for thousands of students that I wanted to take this. And I felt pretty comfortable with what I did at Western as uh, taking a, a, a department that started with one uh, person, that would be me, and, and and developing it into something much larger uh, with good research, good education, great clinical services. And so I thought I want to take that toolkit elsewhere. And it'll be a very different job um, and will require new tools for me, but I'm excited about it.
0: Well let me ask you a two part question. As you get started, some maybe of your short term goals and if you've had some time to think about some longer term goals for the college.
1: Yeah. And so I I guess I'd like to point out that this is day four right. for me. <laughs> so um I haven't we you know, I haven't done a lot yet. We got a new coffee machine, but <laughs> <laughs> we we upgraded the Keurig. Uh, but but no, uh, beyond that, some of the short term goals, and I, I you know I, I have to be careful about focusing too much on just the low hanging fruit. But there are some things that we can do. Uh, I definitely want to improve our services for our faculty. Uh, by by creating a position for an associate dean of faculty affairs or uh, but whether it's associate or assistant but a dean of faculty affairs because that's a that's a significant need for the institution the faculty are requesting it um other short-term goals really to uh and this this feeds into a long-term goal and that long-term goal is uh we need a new building and um that that's uh there's a lot going on in that building. It's not so simple as just moving c o m there's a, this is fee hall uh there there's a lot happening there, and I think it was brought up at probably ninety percent of my interviews when I was going through the process of coming here when I'd ask people like what what do you think you need here and answer number one, two, three, four, and five is usually the building mm. um but and and it's a space issue, so i I also want to uh, really ramp up our development uh, yes. within the college to try and fund this and and I think too we need to we need a space, but we also have to have this space that's accessible and usable by many other colleges as well and however that looks, we're still working through all of that, like I said it's day four, but um, I tend to be a bridge builder and and very collaborative, so i want to look at the institution and talk to others and figure out what we can do to facilitate that process and obviously the biggest factor is most likely the money but I wanna I'd like I you know in the short term I wanna get working on that yeah
0: well how would you describe the evolving mission of the college we've been talking about it throughout but how would you describe it
1: yeah so the mission it really is uh, largely a good part of its focused on our students and creating an outstanding experience for our students which which the the college has done to a great extent uh, the students come here we are by far the the strongest research institute research college for all osteopathic medical schools by far and that's a huge draw here uh, so and it, going back you know p- part of that mission of creating great experience for the students one of the top reasons why students come here is research. One of the top reasons why they don't come here are the physical facilities, mm. and so that's part of it too of improving that uh, and and making certain that our students are well prepared for this evolving landscape in healthcare. So that be, because there's so many changes going on, and there's just so much. A, medical knowledge that comes out that's important to know but also how do you how do you navigate these waters of all the hospitals and healthcare systems that are some of them are struggling and others are there's mergers and there's acquisitions and and a lot of a lot of moving parts and and giving our students the 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 toolkit to navigate that
0: and what about the students and uh sort of the challenges and opportunities they're going out into, the world of medicine. How is it evolving? What are they facing that maybe you didn't when you came out, you know?
1: Yeah, I, I think they're facing, um, you, you know, I think whatever they land up or, or – or, whatever the students are heading into, that's their normal for right now. And that's what they'll be most comfortable with because they'll figure that out. But I think too, there's gonna be a lot of changes. There's changes in how healthcare is funded. There's there's additional needs uh, that, that I think our, our students are really focused on on handling, for example, uh, and, and participating in, and one is rural healthcare, getting out into the rural spaces, but also in the urban areas, uh, with our street medicine programs and and uh, uh, we, we've had some early, very early discussions about uh, uh, care for refugees and what can we do on that and those areas, I think that the students are having those experiences uh, and and I believe that it also it, it, it speaks to them because they they see the needs of the healthcare system.
0: Final question, Dean DeYoung, and I know we could have a conference on this, but in a general, both sort of the challenges and opportunities facing the college moving forward and maybe even MSU and higher ed. What are your thoughts in that
1: area? I think there's a lot of opportunities. We have some new partnerships that have formed. I'm uh, I, I've uh, I'm well aware of the Henry Ford partnership that I'm pretty excited about getting involved with. Uh, I think that that's a, a big direction for the university, and it has to be a big direction for the college as well. But having said that, we have multiple partners all over the state, and and we have local partners, and we have—it's one of the strengths of our institution and of our college and of the university is that we have relationships with nearly every hospital in the state, it seems. The challenges of that, too, though, is that you, it, it, it becomes a little bit—the uh, concerns would be is, if, for example, well, we'll just say, you know, Sparrow Hospital, which was uh, purchased by University of Michigan, you, as a, we have students who, who train at Sparrow Hospital, and so you're looking at that thinking, oh are we going to lose our training spots for the students, And which is important for us. And so with multiple medical schools in the state, uh, and that number increased over the last decade or two, uh, that that all of those students have to train somewhere, and so I think that 's one of the areas that might be of concern, but I feel really optimistic about the university. I feel like we have a strong president coming in yeah. I think that that there 's a room for a lot of additional collaboration and work on things like concussions and um and th- that 's actually an area where I have an interest as well, so I look forward to 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 that transition, yes.
0: It's been great getting to know you a little bit, Dean DeYoung. Just as we close, some final thoughts for Spartan Nation as you get started. What do you want them to know about you and the college?
1: I, I think that, you know, final thoughts are that are that um, I'm here. We're really excited to get going. I feel an energy at COM that other people have told me to, that, that they sense this is a new day. They sense there is... Uh, that that we're emerging from some dark times, we're very stable, we're very strong, and we're just looking forward to doing great things.
0: Awesome. Well, again, Dean DeYoung, great meeting you today.
1: You too, Russ. Thank you. That's
0: Joyce DeYoung, the new dean of MSU's renowned College of Osteopathic Medicine. You can find out a lot more by just going to osteopathicmedicine.msu.edu. And I'm Russ White. This is MSU Today.